Hey everyone, my name is Kerka, and it's finally summer. It's the perfect time to enjoy Minnesota at its finest. And summer also happens to bring some of the best things of the year at Eagle Brook Church. Let's check out what's coming up. If you've decided to follow Jesus but haven't been baptized, now's your time. Baptism is a public declaration of your faith, and our next outdoor baptism is right around the corner. On Sunday, July 17th, we'll meet for two services at 2 and 4.30 p.m. on the shores of Lake Johanna at the University of Northwestern St. Paul. Invite your family and friends as hundreds of believers join you in the waters of baptism. Check out our website to learn more and register today. Ground Zero Summer Takeover is the biggest and best middle school event of the year. And here's why. You take hundreds of middle schoolers, bring them all together under one roof, have three straight nights of wacky competitions, giveaways, games, great band, amazing special guests, and unforgettable teaching, and you have one mind-blowing event. It all happens July 26th through the 28th at the Lino Lakes campus, and all the other Eagle Brook locations will provide free busing. All the details are on our website, so if you have a middle schooler, tell them to come and invite their friends to Ground Zero Summer Takeover. And once again, Eagle Brook is hosting the Global Leadership Summit, and we'd love for you to join us. The GLS brings together some of the top communicators from church, business, nonprofit, academic, and government to equip people like you and me to lead wherever we are. August 11th and 12th, the summit will be broadcast live from Chicago to locations around the world, including three Eagle Brook sites, Blaine, Lionel Lakes, and Woodbury. Eagle Brook attenders get a special discount if you register early, so go to our website today and sign up. This year we'll hear from Bill Hybels, Melinda Gates, Bishop T.D. Jakes, and many more. Join us for the Global Leadership Summit this August at Eagle Brook. That's what's coming up this summer. And now it's time for today's message. We're honored to welcome a special guest speaker, Greg Speck. Greg has traveled the world speaking to teenagers and adults at conferences, camps, churches, and retreats. And we're so happy to have him here with us today. Please give a warm Eagle Brook welcome to Greg Speck. Thank you. Thank you, thank you. Hey, had a great time last night. So glad to be here. So glad that you are here. Now, happy Father's Day. If you're sitting by a father or somebody who looks like they could be a father, I want you to reach out right now, pat them on the back, and say, Happy Father's Day. <laughs> Happy Father's Day to you. It's a great day. Great day. Uh, I live outside of Chicago. Chicago, Illinois. So it's wonderful to be here in Minnesota. I think my only complaint is, I wish there was more road construction. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. This day, we're going to talk about that's what I've always wanted. Relationships that flourish. Relationships that last. Relationships that go deep. Relationships that stand the test of time. So let's continue to build relationships right now. So whether you're here or watching me on the big screen, I want you to turn to the person on your right you who are next to the wall, do the best you can. Turn to the person on your right right now and say to them, I am glad you are here. Go.
Good. Now turn to the person on your left. Turn to the person on your left. Say to them, thanks for sitting next to me. Thanks. They could have sat next to anybody. They sat next to you. Now, say to the person in front of you, say to the person in front of you, your hair is perfect. (laughs) Tell them that, your hair is perfect. Wow, that is so important, so important. And allow me to pause right now and apologize to those who have no hair, okay? I am sorry, I'm sorry. Now, turn around to the person behind you. Turn around to the person behind you and say this from your heart. Say it from your heart. Say to them, you look just like my mom. You look just like my mom. Good old mom, good old mom. So what is it gonna take for relationships to flourish? Well, let me suggest to you three ingredients. Three ingredients we're gonna talk about. Number one is extravagant love. Over the top love. Love above and beyond. And is that important? Oh yeah, that's really important. Listen to what John chapter 13 Verses 34 and 35 say, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Love one another. And can I remind you that love is not primarily a gushy, gooey, tingly, goosebumply feeling. Love is a commitment. Love is something you choose to do whether you feel like it or not. Several Valentine's days ago, I brought my four children into the dining room and I sat them down. And then I brought my wife into the dining room and I sat her down. And I said to my four children, look at me. I will never leave your mother, never. If she gets sick, I'm gonna be there. If she gets hurt, I'm going to be there. If she makes bad choices, I'm gonna be there. I will never leave your mother. Now, I have men come up to me, hardly ever women, but men who come up to me who say this to me, you can't say that. You can't make a statement like that. You don't know what's gonna happen six weeks from now, six months from now, six years from now. You can't say that. And I say to them, you are absolutely wrong. Because my love for Bonnie has little to do with the way I feel. Does Bonnie ever upset me? (laughs) Yes! Yes, ah, she can hit those buttons. But at the same time, do I ever upset Bonnie? (laughs) No. (laughs) What, no? Yes, 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 yes. But my love for Bonnie has little to do with the way I feel. You know what my love for Bonnie is based upon? 
My love for Bonnie is based upon my character as a man, my commitment to Jesus Christ, and my word as my bond. And because of that, I will never leave her. I committed to be with Bonnie for better or for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health, until my feelings fade. No, until death do we part. And I'm going to be a man of my word, and I'm going to set that example for my children, and I will never leave my wife. You need to choose to love one another. Not based upon how you feel at any certain time, but based upon your word and your commitment to do that. And let's be honest anyway. Feelings are a terrible indicator of reality. Do not follow your feelings. Your feelings will lead you in the wrong direction. You need to know the truth, Believe the truth and act upon the truth no matter how you feel. When I talk to my children now, and Bonnie and I are empty nesters, and I just want you to know that all our kids are gone, and it is great. It is great. It's just Bonnie and I together. These are sweet days, sweet days. But I've said to my children this, you will never reach the age, you will never reach the age where your father will no longer hug you or kiss you or tell you that he loves you. You will just never reach that age. So for example, when I go to visit my oldest son, Justin, and he has two of my grandchildren, when I walk in that door, even though I hear these little voices, Grandpa, grandpa, grandpa. First thing I do is I go over to my son. And I give him a hug. And I give him a kiss. And I say, Justin, I love you. And he says to me, Dad, I love you too. And then I say to him this. You're a great dad. You're a great husband. How much have we longed to hear that from our father? How much have we longed to hear that kind of affirmation? If you are a dad in here, it's never ever too late to do the right thing. Hug your kids, kiss your kids, say to them, I love you. You say, well, I'm not real comfortable with that. And I say, I understand, do it anyway. Because you know what? You weren't real comfortable when you first tried to ride a bicycle, were you? But you didn't give up. You just got up and kept doing it and doing it. And pretty soon, it was second nature. The same thing is true with extravagant love. Love on one another. Encourage and build up one another. You know, we need to love the world. I'm all about that. I'm all about that. We need to love India and we need to love China and we need to love Ecuador and we need to love Kenya and we need to love all these countries. And I'm on board with that. 
But sometimes we forget we also need to be about loving individuals. We need to love the waiter. We need to love the person who works in the gas station. We need to love people we come in contact with every day. You need to love the person sitting on your right. You need to love the person sitting on your left. You need to love the person behind you. You need to love the person in front of you. And by the way, for all of you in the front row, that's me. <laughs> you need to love individuals. You need to choose to do that. I uh, was asked to come and speak in Orlando, Florida at a very affluent prep school. These teenagers are driving cars I will never drive. They have to wear uniforms, but they are just loaded with gold. Necklaces, rings, bracelets, they got gold everywhere. Um, academic excellence, sports excellence. So they bring me in to speak. And I get done with this assembly, I'm done speaking, and I say this. Now, your headmaster is going to dismiss you. When he dismisses you, I want you to know I'm going to step off the platform. And if you'd like a dad hug, you come down to me, and I'll give you a dad hug, and I'll tell you what a father ought to be saying to you. Now, you would think these affluent teenagers would say, are you kidding me? Do you know who most teenagers say I look like? Most teenagers think I look like a combination of these three individuals. Droopy dog. <laughs> Fred Flintstone. And the cowardly lion on the Wizard of Oz. Okay. All very complimentary. So you would think these students would be like, are you kidding me? No. Now this was in the fall. This was on a Friday. The football team is in their varsity football team is in their jerseys. Headmaster closes the assembly. I step off the platform. And these students lined up for dad hug. And I had the privilege of giving them a hug and just speaking life into them. And do you know what these students would do? These students would just sob. These students would just cry. These students just long to hear this. They have all the material possessions and beyond but they're not experiencing that extravagant love from their families. I had a big offensive lineman guy come up to me. And he said to me, my dad has never told me he loved me. Wow. So I said to him, I want you to know I love you. And I gave him a hug and he just sobbed. Friends, love one another. Love one another, especially within your family. A lot of hugs, a lot of kisses, a lot of affirmation. 
They need to hear you say over and over again, I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you. Men, when's the last time you said to your wife, I love you? I have men say to me, well, I've been married to the woman for 40 years. Doesn't that say anything? I say yes. It says she has tremendous endurance. That's what that says. So I don't care how long you've been married, you need to continue to communicate that to one another. Number one is extravagant love. Number two, generous forgiveness. Generous forgiveness. Colossians chapter three and verse 13. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. First of all, do you understand that you are totally free? That Jesus Christ took care of all your sins. When you are dead in your sins, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins. All. Past, present, future. You are free now to become everything you were created to be. You do not allow your mistakes to hold you back. You do not allow past failures to rob you of today or your future. You are free. You are forgiven. How great is that? Now, doesn't it make sense to you? Doesn't it seem logical to you that if you are so forgiven, then you ought to forgive others? If I'm ever tempted to think, oh, I'm not going to forgive that. Wow. Nobody treats me like that. What a jerk. Wow. What did you just say to me? Anytime I'm tempted not to forgive, I just remind myself, nobody needs forgiveness more than I need forgiveness. No one falls shorter than I fall. Nobody does stupider things than I do. No, no. And when I come to Jesus and I say, Jesus, I am so sorry, when's the last time Jesus said to me, get lost? Never. Do you mean to tell me that I treat other people less than that? You say to me, well, Greg, you don't understand what they did to me. I will never forgive them. And I say to you, you are absolutely right. I do not understand what they did to you. I am not walking in your shoes. I did not feel what you felt. I did not experience what you experienced. However, I want to remind you, and you've heard this statement before, For you to refuse to forgive is like trying to hurt somebody by drinking poison. It's only killing you. You need to set the prisoner free. And when you do that, you discover the prisoner you set free was you. So let me ask you this morning, who do you need to forgive? Who do you need to forgive? 
And then you just need to choose to do that. Just like love, forgiveness is not primarily a feeling. It's a step of faith you take. It's a response to God's command. You are being obedient. So you choose to forgive. And second question is, when's the last time you've apologized? When's the last time you said to somebody in your family, I'm sorry, I was wrong, would you please forgive me? Now, can I suggest if it's been a while, it's not because you haven't blown it? Maybe it's because you've been too proud to admit it. And I just want to let you know, to humble yourself and to apologize is a strength. It is not a weakness. Only the strong can afford to apologize. Only the strong can afford to humble themselves. You've got to stop making excuses for your bad behavior. And you've got to own it. My son, daughter-in-law, and two grandchildren were spending some time at our house. And it's evening, and I'm sitting in the den, and Athen is all ready for bed. He's five years old at this point. And I'm sitting in the den, and Athen runs in to say goodnight to me. And he runs in, and he gives me a big hug and a kiss, and I give him a big, big hug and a kiss, and he says, goodnight, Grandpa. I love you. Sorry I peed in your shoe. <laughs> and then he runs off. I'm like, what? What? I appreciate the fact he owned it. That he owned it and that he was a willing to apologize for it. What do you need to own? What do you need to apologize for? It's generous forgiveness. You don't forgive somebody because they deserve it. You forgive them because you are greatly forgiven. You treat others the way Jesus treats you. And let me suggest an even more radical step. What if you not only chose to generously forgive, but what if you decided now that you would respond to an insult with a blessing. Let me tell you where that comes from. First Peter chapter three and verse nine. It says this, do not repay evil with evil. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. On the contrary, repay evil with blessing because to this you were called so that you may inherit a blessing. I am on the road traveling and speaking about 12 to 15 days a month. Now, I have the same schedule as an airline pilot, and that sounds like a lot, and it is, but that means that every month I get off 15 to 18 days. I'm off. I don't have an office I go into. I'm just home 
15 to 18 days. So that's pretty nice. Well, I'm not home real often on a weekend, but one weekend years ago, I was off, and my wife came to me and she said to me, honey, let's go shopping at Ikea. Now, this was back a long, pretty long time ago. I had never heard of Ikea. I assumed it was a small little Swedish gift shop, and we'd be out of there in about 15, 20 minutes. So I'm like, sure, that'd be fun. Let's go to Ikea. Well, you're smarter than I am, because we get into the car, and we drive into Schaumburg, and Ikea is this ginormous four stories Everything possible, Swedish, house, sell it, buy it, it's yours. So we get out of the car, we're walking in, and Bonnie's famous last words to me are, we don't have to buy anything. <laughs> so four hours later, four hours later, and three shopping carts filled... We exit Ikea. Now, one of the things we got was a shoe tree because we got four little kids, umpteen pairs of shoes. Shoes are spread out all over the entryway, so let's get a shoe tree. And that way we can put the shoes in the shoe tree so they're not spread out all over the entryway. So a few weeks go by and I come home from a speaking engagement and I pull in the garage. And I get out of the car and I walk into the house. I step in and there are shoes everywhere. I about twist my ankle. I'm like, why did I spend the longest week of my life, those four hours in Ikea, if we're not going to use the shoe tree. So I drop my bags, I shut the door, and I start up the stairs. And my beautiful wife is preparing dinner. And she sees me coming. She takes the pot off the burner. She turns around. She opens her arms, and she says, Oh, hi, honey. Welcome home. To which I say, <laughs> why can't we keep the shoes in the shoe tree? I don't understand why we even got a shoe tree. I walk into the entryway, there's shoes everywhere. I about twist my ankle like I break my neck. Why can't we keep the shoes in the shoe tree? To which my wife could have responded... Well, what's wrong with you, chubby? Can you no longer bend at the waist? Are these my children or are these our children? Oh, great godly man. Oh, great family speaker. While you're traveling around the world speaking to people, I'm stuck at home with these four little kids. Maybe every once in a while, you'd like to come off your throne and help us. I don't appreciate that applause. Let me just tell you that right now. But my wife doesn't do that. 
Bonnie, who is a godly woman with tremendous wisdom, she looks at me and she says to me, honey, I am so sorry. I'll go down and pick up those shoes right now. And the Holy Spirit just zinged me. And as Bonnie is coming down the stairs, I reach out and I grab her by the arm and I go, wait, 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 wait. I go, honey, honey, honey. I go, I am so sorry. I was so wrong. To which my godly wife said, I know. My wife responded to an insult with a blessing. Do you know what that does when you do that? It does three things. Number one, it smashes their expectations. Because they don't expect you to respond with a blessing. Number two, it opens them to self-examination. And number three... It releases the Holy Spirit to work in their life. And here's a heads up. The Holy Spirit can do a much better job transforming this person than you ever could. Number one, extravagant love. Number two, generous forgiveness. And number three, enthusiastic encouragement. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 11. Therefore encourage one another and build each other up just as in fact you are doing. I want to know what's coming out of your mouth. Because you have a choice. With your words, you can speak life, or with your words, you can speak death. With your words, you can build up, or with your words, you can tear down. Stupidest thing my mother ever said to me. Stupidest thing my mother ever said to me. One day when I was little, she looked at me and she said, Greg? Sticks and stones can break your bones, but words can never hurt you. Really? I'd much rather be hit by a stick. I'd much rather be nailed by a stone. That pain is temporary. Words can hurt for a lifetime. You need to speak life into one another. You need to enthusiastically encourage one another. You need to build each other up. I know as you look at me, you think to yourself, wow, I bet he used to be a great athlete. Thank you. Thank you. Actually, I played football 
And actually, I was pretty good. I played tight end. They would time me with a sundial, but I could catch the ball. So, summers, you got two-a-day practices. And after the second practice, I'm coming in, and I got my helmet in my hand, and sweat is pouring off of me, and I'm wondering, is this all worth it? And my coach runs by me, does one thing, says three words, transforms my day. He runs past me and smacks me on the backside. I don't know why coaches do that, but they always do that. Smacks me on the backside. Whoa. And then as he runs by me, he looks at me and he points at me and he says, good job, Speck. Good job, Speck. That was it. And he was gone. But that transformed my day. Why? Because somebody had noticed Somebody had noticed all the sweat and the pain and the hard work. Somebody noticed. Do you notice what everybody's doing around you? Or have you gotten into a rut where you are taking each other for granted? When's the last time you said, thanks for a clean house? Thanks for a car that runs. Do you know my job is to take out the garbage? It's a tough job, but I do it. Do you know the other day I took the garbage out and I came back in the house and Bonnie said to me, thanks for taking out the garbage. We've been married for 150 years (laughs) and she still says to me, thanks for taking out the garbage. We have gotten in this negative rut We have these expectations of one another, so when people meet those expectations, that's the least we expect of them, so we don't appreciate them. Stop it. Look for opportunities to catch each other doing well. Look for opportunities to speak life into somebody. And the way you say something to me makes it easy for me to to receive it or makes it hard. Why would you want to make it hard for me to receive? That's like counterproductive for you. So for example, what's easier for me to receive? You're never home. Or I miss you. What's easier for me to receive? You're a lousy driver. Or when I ride with you, it makes me glad I know Jesus. So how you say something is important. I want you to build each other up. Build each other up. Here's your assignment on the drive home. Whoever's in the car, whoever's in the car with you, this is your assignment. You are to share three things you appreciate about each person that's in that car. Just tell them three things you appreciate about them with no sarcasm. Here's a good statement to live by. Don't just give flowers to dead people. Don't just give flowers to dead people. Somebody dies, you go to the funeral, you bring them flowers. Can I tell you something? That's a wonderful gesture. Continue to do it. But what good does it do them? 
It doesn't do them any good at all. They're dead. Don't just give flowers to dead people. Give flowers to people who are alive. Appreciate and encourage people now because you might not have tomorrow to encourage them. My first job was men's caseworker working with delinquent, emotionally disturbed teenagers. It was a residential facility. Right next to us was a beautiful private golf course. So one day I went over to the private golf course and I said to them, what is the possibility I could bring these delinquent, emotionally disturbed boys over to your private golf course and play for free? <laughs> Thinking they would say, oh, let me think, zero. But the guy said to me, let me call you. So a week goes by, my phone rings, and the guy says to me, if you're the first ones on the tee Monday morning, each Monday, you can play this course for free. I'm like, wow, thank you. So we got these delinquent guys up in the middle of the night. We'd be standing on the first tee in the dark as the sun began to rise. So one mid-morning, we're out playing, and I see this little golf cart. And it finally comes up to us. And the guy in the golf cart said, anybody here named Greg Speck? I go, yeah, it's me. He said, you have an emergency phone call. You're to call home right now. I said, wow, thank you very much. You who are college age and below, take a deep breath because this is going to shock you. There were no cell phones. No cell phones. So I turned to one of the house parents. I said, you're in charge, and I went for a phone. And I knew my grandmother had died. Mid-90s, she'd been sick. I just knew she was gone. So I call home. And my grandmother answered the phone. I'm like... Wow, this is long distance, whoa. <laughs> I said, hi, Graham, this is Greg. And my grandmother started to cry. And I thought, oh, no. And there were footsteps out the kitchen and footsteps back in, and then it was my mom. And I said, mom, what's going on? She said to me, Greg, your father's gone. I said, what do you mean he's gone? And he had had a massive heart attack in his sleep, so massive it didn't even wake my mother up. And do you know that when I boarded that plane at Chicago O'Hare to fly to San Francisco International, you know what I could say honestly? I could say, God, thanks. Thanks that my dad and I had such a great relationship. Thanks that I told him I loved him. He told me he loved me. How sad to get on that plane and say, wow, if only, if only, if only, and then it's too late. I want to say to you, for the people around you right now, it's not too late. Take advantage of loving and encouraging one another. 
What is it going to take for your relationships to flourish? It's going to take extravagant love and generous forgiveness and enthusiastic encouragement. Let's all stand and I will close our time in prayer. And here's a heads up for you. When I'm done praying, I'm going to step off the platform. And if you would like a dad hug, you come down and I will give you a dad hug. I want you to know that last night, the two services, they lined up. And I would be happy to say to you what a dad ought to be saying to you. And if you're 60, 70, 80 years old, I'd be happy to give you a dad hug. I'd be happy to speak life into you. You who are watching on the big screen, your campus pastor, your prayer team will be down front. They would be happy to give you a dad hug. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for these families. And thank you for these individuals. And I lift them up to you and I ask that you would put your arms around them and hold them and love them. And God, I pray that you would encourage them now to build their relationships. To love and to forgive and to encourage. And God, I pray that you would cause those relationships to flourish and to deepen as time goes by. God, I pray your richest blessing upon these people. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Go with God's blessing.